What's up, people? Welcome back to the BCMA Podcast. That's the Black Clover Martial Arts Podcast. It's your boy, Lucky from Lucky's Muay Thai. Don't forget, if you like this show, hit that subscribe button, like, share, hit that notification bell if you want to know when these are dropping, and uh, drop a comment below or hit us up at Lucky's Muay Thai uh, on Instagram or at Lucky's Muay Thai on Twitter or www.luckysmt.com if you want to try to come to the gym, get some training in. Uh, we are accepting new people, but very slowly. Our classes are uh, six people per class. And we are doing a beginner, intermediate, and advanced class. And so far, so good. We've been doing a lot, lot of work outside. So uh, I hope that if you're in the area and you're interested in Muay Thai and interested in getting some training in and just being healthy, that you give us a shot. Don't forget, you can reach us at www.luckysmt.com and drop us an email and put your information in. You get a free workout. Why not? Um, on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about Daniel Cormier. I'm going to give a shout out to my grandmother and we're going to talk a little bit about one, uh, no surrender two, which I'm only going to highlight a little bit of it, but again, man, amazing fights, um, things that I thought were very interesting. So I hope you enjoy, uh, first things first, Daniel Cormier. Oh my goodness. Um, so here's the deal. Regardless of this loss to Stipe Miocic, who is one of the all-time greats uh, at heavyweight, uh, Daniel Cormier is one of the all-time greats, period. Uh, this dude, yeah, yeah, that dude. That dude is not winning any um, physique contest anytime soon. Uh, and, oh, there's a fly. Um, and this man is a two-time Olympian. Um, a Grand Prix heavyweight champion of Strike Force at the time, and a two-time uh, light heavyweight champion, and a double champ holding both the light heavyweight championship and the heavyweight championship of the UFC at the same time, and defending. So, regardless of this loss, this man is a freaking icon. And I mean, you know, not that anybody people aren't giving him his credit. But let's, let's keep it real, man. I mean, when you were, to, if you were to see this dude, I mean, you might know he was an athlete, maybe. But would you know that he was great? Like, that's different. Like, that dude is great. I mean, lost to John Jones, whatever. I mean, he did. It is what it is. John Jones is that great. And his only two losses are to that guy that tells you where he is. And at heavyweight, his uh, losses are to Stipe, right? So. Uh, shout out to Daniel Cormier for a freaking remarkable career. And then going through a bunch of grief and stuff throughout his life. Like this dude is, uh, an exception to the rule. You know what I'm saying? And more people should try to, to be like him. But let's talk a little bit about how that fight went. Just real brief. I'm not going to get into detail <laughs> too much. Uh, let's see. The first round started out. Uh, Cormier punched Stipe a bunch. Stipe punched Cormier a bunch. Ultimately, this fight was a lot like that <laughs> the entire fight. There was a couple of eye pokes uh, throughout the fight. Stipe got eye pokes early, and it didn't seem to affect him very much. The other thing I noticed about Stipe, besides being in ridiculously great shape, is that he ate the right hands that knocked him out in the first fight. He ate them so well uh, in this third fight. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he was just so prepared for that, that he just was able to 
you know, tighten up at those moments. There was a couple times that he got his bell rung for sure, but there were moments in this fight where Daniel Cormier landed some solid right, sort of those looping hooks that come over the top of the shoulder, and uh, Stipe ate him, to his credit. Um, there was an eye poke late. I believe it was in the third. Well, first of all, let's talk about this. At one point, Daniel Cormier turned and ran to his left, and Stipe started throwing right hooks, and he landed a bunch of those, and Cormier dropped. It looked like he got hit and dropped, and then at some in some angles, it looked like he got hit and tried to turn to grab uh, Stipe by around the waist or maybe try to get a double or even turn the other way, and his legs split. So either way, he dropped and grabbed Stipe around the waist in a very awkward position with his back against the cage and Stipe overhead, and Stipe couldn't really land a lot, and it was also the end of the round. So he was saved by that by that bell. But that being said, he got up and he fought like a freaking, you know, he fought like a maniac. And he took an eye poke that was not just an eye poke. It was, uh, it was nasty and knuckle deep. Um, and to the uh, credit to his toughness, let's talk about this for real. This dude said, I can't see. On his way back out to fight the next round. He had no eye. Daniel Cormier decided to fight the rest of the fight. With one eye. Like a pirate. Like a savage. And to his credit, he fought well. I mean, look. The dude went out there and fought with one eye for a couple of rounds. Against one of the toughest dudes out there. And he was putting in work. And Stipe, listen man, Stipe's a beast. I don't know how he's going to do against John Jones or a rematch against Ngannou, but this is about Daniel Cormier. And to me, regardless of this loss, Daniel Cormier is one of the greatest of all time, period. There is no question. This dude is an icon, first ballot Hall of Fame fighter and should be respected inside and outside of the cage. And he is one of the most fantastic commentators that they have as well. And his career, his his life, his legacy, all of that stuff is solidified. Um, that being said, look, man, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in the light heavyweight division in the UFC. Now that John Jones decided to vacate and move up to heavyweight, it's wide open. It's out there. Come get it, whoever wants it type of thing. And um, and I want to see what's going to happen in heavyweight now. I mean, Stipe's got some, some real heavy-handed and smart, uh, tactically, opponents ahead of him. So, uh, I guess here we go. Yo, real quick, uh, shout out to my grandmother, Nanny. <laughs> yeah, her. Um, I talked to y'all about voting before. I talked to you guys about, you know, the protesting. I talked to you guys about where to donate money. I talked to you guys about how I felt about different things. I talked to you guys about arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. They are still not arrested. Um, but when I talk about voting and I understand where people are coming from, people talk about like, you can't just tell people to vote. They don't understand what that means. Uh, and what does that mean to them? People have voted. They don't know what that means. Okay. So what it means, at least when I'm talking about it is, um, it means trying to figure out the things that you want in your community and the things that you don't. 
and how your lives are affected, you know, all the way down to how your children are educated, uh, to how funds are dispersed across your, your districts and counties and so forth. And, um, patriotism. I know it's a weird thing to say, but when I was growing up, my grandma, I used to watch them, you know, I lived in Chicago and it was cold, right? I used to watch them put on their jackets and coats and they would talk about voting and talk about the candidates they liked and talked about these things and other people in the neighborhood. I would see them all getting together and walking down, you know, to where the polling places were and voting. And that stuck with me for all these years. You know, I'm 47, about to be 48. And so, yeah, that it was a way for them to get their voices heard. It was a way for them to show their patriotism. And listen, I know a lot of people are doing a lot of ways of protesting like they don't want to vote because uh, they try to protest the system in other ways or they try to make their voices heard in other ways. By the way, they spend their dollar. Uh, by the way, um, they participate in actual protests or donations, so forth and so on. Um, me personally, at least at this, at especially at this particular time, uh, voting locally and understanding the value of your vote is super, super important. So I don't really, like it doesn't necessarily matter to me um, that you're protesting in other ways. I love that. Do whatever you have to do. I hope that you understand that if you have children, Everything that, you know, involves the government and your children and how they get educated, as I said before, and so forth, programs, you know, so forth and so on, um, that's done at the local level. And there is value in there in your vote there, whether you think it's valuable uh, nationally or not. Locally, it is for sure valuable. So uh, try to educate yourselves if you can. Um, man, learning that that value at an early age and carrying that throughout my life. I mean, the first time I could vote, I voted. So, you know, that's me and it's what I believe. So it doesn't mean that's what you have to believe, but there you have an opportunity. Um, some would argue that it's your responsibility. I would just argue you have to do what's, what's right for you. And that voting isn't, is at least one way that you yourself can go be involved in the entire system, whether or whether or not you're involved in any other way, you can at least do that. And I went the other day to vote in the local elections and I literally was out of there in, you know, seven to 10 minutes. There was one gentleman ahead of me and I was all the way to the, I was already in the booth before he finished signing in and I was out of there. There was, there weren't very many people there and there was only a few people coming in after I left. So apparently the voting, you know, the polling places are, I don't know, not busy, at least where I live. So get out there and vote. Um, if you have to vote by mail, if you want to vote by mail, reach out to your local uh, elections offices and find out how to do that. Uh, request a ballot. Um, just get involved, man. This is a serious time in our history of this country. Apparently, everybody is, you know, very, very on edge. Um, and everybody should be. And I think that, you know, we should take value in this country and not just talk about things online and sort of, you know, throw mud at each other and all that stuff. It's not necessary, but 
it is necessary to get out and be involved in whatever way you can. So I hope you take the opportunity to vote locally. I hope you vote, obviously, for the presidency of the United States, but I definitely hope that you take uh, part in your local elections so that you can, you know, make sure your hood's taken care of. What's good, right? Shout out to Nanny. Yo, go vote. All right, let's talk one championship, no surrender two. Um, I'm not going to talk about every fight, but let's talk about like the last three. Uh, Pong Suri fought Akihiro Fujisawa, and Fujisawa is a grappler. He's been around for a while. Pong Suri is a Muay Thai champion. Um, he's a monster, and he's young, right? Uh, Fujisawa is 40 years old. So, and Fujisawa, obviously, he's not going to be as fast. He's more of a grappler. He's going to have to get in there and take uh, Pong Suri down, but <clears throat> Pong Suri's throwing nastiness at him nastiness uh by the time akiro gets him down though you see there's definitely a grappling advantage but by then he looked i don't know if he was just trying to hold him down or if he or what it was going on he looked a little bit like he was tired he wasn't really throwing a lot when he was on the ground when they stood up uh he dropped him dropped punksery twice and ended the fight and it was a fight that obviously everybody thought was going to go to the younger fighter and the better striker. But Akira Fujisawa, you know, congrats on being a 40-year-old knockout artist. <laughs> All right. Uh, Leo Pinto versus Mehdi Zatut. Now, I'm not as big, you know, I don't know as much about uh, Mehdi Zatut, but Leo Pinto I knew about um, from, you know, I think glory before that. But Leo's been around for a little while. He's young. I think he just turned 27, maybe. He's from France. Uh, moved to Thailand when he was 10, I think. And, uh, at one point in 2010, he was the Lumpany Fighter of the Year. And to get that award, you have to win all of your fights for the year and you have to be the most popular fighter, meaning everybody's coming to see you to come see, everybody comes to see your fights, right? So he is not a slouch. Um, he, I don't, there's no way he's reached his prime yet. He is still, you know, beasting on people. And they fought this as a kickboxing fight. Let me tell you something. Medizatut was never in any trouble in this fight. He took it to Leo Pinto in the first round. He took it to Leo Pinto in the second round. In fact, there was moments where Leo Pinto, you know, in kickboxing fights, you're not supposed to grab the leg and do all this stuff. Leo Pinto had grabbed the leg a couple times and sort of attempted to sweep. And I think at one point actually did. And then, um, and was warned by the, the ref, right? A couple times. And then, uh, Medizatut caught his leg and didn't sweep him, but jumped him hard. And basically was like letting him know, right? And Leo Pinto smiled at this and basically responding like he knew why he was doing it. I think Leo Pinto was so frustrated at this fight that he continued to, tr to catch that leg over and over throughout all the way to the end of the fight. Uh, Medizatut showed that he was he didn't like that at all. You know, he kept looking at the ref. The ref kept warning him, but there was never a point taken away. I mean, he, he told him after the fourth time that he was warning him the second time. And he must have done it at least four times after that. So, you know, I think there were some discrepancies there as far as uh, some of the rules there. I think they they he could have lost a point for that. He caught the leg, I don't know, man, seven, eight times throughout the fight, even after he was warned. So. Medizatut went on to fight the entire third round uh, with his hands down, basically. Um, Leo Pinto was throwing some heavy shots for, I don't know how he was able to get out of the way of a lot of this stuff, uh, because 
there was a lot of times Mehdi Zatuta was his back, his back was against the ropes and he looked to be in a lot more trouble than maybe that maybe he was. Um, he slipped a lot of the punches where Leo Pinto was throwing four, five, six, and they weren't connecting cleanly. And some of them just weren't connecting at all. And, uh, Mehdi Zatuta obviously went on to win a unanimous decision for whatever reason, Leo Pinto just couldn't get off. Uh, Mehdi Zatuta maybe jumping out early, landing heavy, uh, was a big, part of that, but for whatever, for whatever the reason was, uh, he fought that fight at 36 years old. He looked good. He looked young, smart. <laughs> he looked fast and he countered well. So shout out to Medi Zatu. Uh, moving on. This is the fight that was, that was, uh, it was good, man. Semipet Fairtex versus Rod Leck. They fought before. Rod Leck, uh, I believe he finished him. I don't really remember. Uh, but, that was six years ago. Seven Patch Fairtex is not the same dude. Rodlek is though. So this fight was uh basically Seven Patch just throwing heavy, hard, solid, connecting shots, and Rodlek eating the shots and moving forward. Now he never really got to get into his game of you know, throwing multiple hooks and throwing kicks and like, you know, brawling, getting you inside and working you. Um, Sam Pets Fairtex did a great job of keeping him away and, and really throwing heavy, heavy shots. Uh, it went down to the, to the last round. I think it was a three round fight. Rodleck was, was throwing, trying to throw damaging shots all the way to the end just to try to get, you know, maybe to try to win a victory. But either way, at the end of the fight, it was beautiful and, uh, seven patch Fairtex walks away, majority decision. Yo, I don't know nobody over one championship. I'm just telling you. If you like this, if you like striking, first of all, I love the UFC. I love MMA. It's not the same thing, right? The striking is so much cleaner, so much cleaner in the, uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing fights in one championship. And then a lot of the MMA fights as well. Because a lot of the MMA fighters come from Muay Thai backgrounds or kickboxing backgrounds. And the sounds, you can, you can appreciate it more. I think now without the crowd to sort of dull out the sounds of the strikes, you can appreciate it more. When I'm watching these fights and these guys going back and forth and they're smashing each other, you know, the sounds are amazing. Turn the volume up to get, get the one championship app or go on YouTube and pull up one of the fights. One of the more, the, one of the recent ones. I think both are on there. The full, uh, the full events and check them out, man. Turn up the volume so you can hear that. It is freaking amazing. So if you want, if you like the striking, you don't like the grappling so much. Um, and you want to see some, you know, four ounce gloves, some just heavy, heavy striking, then go over to one championship and check it out, man. The UFC ain't the only game in town. They ain't the only game in town. They're a good game. But one championship has some good fights as well. I mean, Bellator has got some good fights. Um, yeah, man, that was my assessment. Anyway, all that being said, that's the show. Episode number 15 of the BCMA podcast. Don't forget, if you like the show, hit that subscribe button. Uh, hit that notification bell. Uh, hit the like. Uh, hit a comp, Drop a comment below. Uh, hit me up at Lucky's Muay Thai on Instagram and go follow us. 
Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter too. I'm mostly on there reading what other people are writing, stalking. Um, but you can check me out there. Also, if you're interested in the gym, uh, Lucky's Muay Thai for that experience, go to www.luckysmt.com and fill out the form. You get a free, uh, free workout there. And if you want to, you can drop us a line and we can set something up so you can come by the gym and check it out. We are accepting new people, but as I said, very, very slowly and six people at a time. Right now, Florida is starting to look a little better, but everybody hang on to your hats because we don't know what's going to happen. We have storms coming. We have uh, the end of the year, flu season, everything else. So stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Arrest the cops. Kill Breonna Taylor. Uh, if you are in uh, ear reach or eye view of this, you are loved. Peace. I'm out.